God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, both heart and head, both emotion and affection and rational, accurate truth about who God is. Have you ever worshiped God in response to who he is and what he is saying? Here's what Joshua learned in front of the commander of the army of the Lord. There is no spiritual victory until there is unconditional surrender to God. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll be familiar with the phrase, the direction of the Christian life is onward. And that's the name of our current series, Onward. Today, we'll continue with part two of the message called Worship Before Warfare and learn how God moved the prophet Joshua onward as he led the nation of Israel into the promised land. We'll see how Joshua's response to a holy God gives us an example to follow as we face our own spiritual battles. Let's join Pastor Trent now in the book of Joshua. At the end of chapter 5, verse 13 says this, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. If your view of God If your view of Jesus is kind of this grandfatherly guy with a long white beard and he's kind of old and decrepit, or maybe your view of Jesus is kind of a feather-haired, baby-powdered, pastel-wearing, skinny jeans Jesus, um, you need a new view of God. You need a view of God that is a mighty warrior with drawn sword ready to fight and win every spiritual battle. And he identifies himself as the commander of the army of the Lord. What army is he talking about? What army does God have? Well, certainly, he was probably referring to the armies of Israel, human army, about to do battle in Jericho. But there's another army. There is an unseen army of special created beings called angels that are warriors that are created to do nothing but give glory to God and assist in the spiritual battle that you and I are in. And God was saying to Joshua, your army's not going to win. I've sized them up. You're hopeless. But there's another army that is going to assist you in the battle, and they have every spiritual asset at their disposal, every weapon to fight the war that is ahead of you. There's a story over in 2 Kings about this army. There was another commander, another prophet. His name was Elisha. And Elisha and 
and the people of Israel were about to go into battle with an adversary. And Elisha had a servant, and it tells us about this servant as he began to calculate who was going to win the battle, who was going to be the underdog and who was going to be the favorite. And he says this in 2 Kings chapter 6, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas! Now, alas is the opposite of behold, okay? Alas is hopeless. He says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that servant must have thought, Elisha, are you blind? Can't you see that we are the underdog here? And Elisha began to pray and said, Oh Lord, please open the eyes of this servant that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of that young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God allowed that servant to see that unseen invisible army And Joshua has just met the commander of that army. Angel armies at our disposal to do spiritual battle. Do you remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate on the night before his crucifixion? There he was captive to Pilate. And Pilate thinking he had foiled the plot of Jesus to take over was about to crucify Jesus, and Jesus just kind of gave him a little reminder. Um, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? 12,000 angels ready to do battle? And because of Jesus' plan and purpose to redeem you and I on the cross, He humbly submitted Himself to that crucifixion. There's an army of angels ready to fight on our behalf. If we could just get our eyes off of the walls, off of our circumstances, and see the commander of the Lord of hosts. Look at what it says at the end of that verse. Now I have come. Isn't that great news? God is never early, but He is always on time. Right here, right now, God stands ready to go to war on your behalf. Here's the second thing we're going to learn. When you face your commander, fall downward. When you face your commander, fall downward. What was Joshua's response to this revelation of God that he received? Look in verse 14, the last part of verse 14. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Joshua, a strong and courageous warrior, falls on his face and worshiped. It's one of the reasons we know that this man was not just any man. This man was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Theologians call this a theophany or a Christophany. How many of you understand that Jesus existed before he showed up in a manger in Bethlehem? Do you understand that? And this was 
an incarnation of Christ, the commander of the army of the Lord, revealing himself to Joshua. And Joshua understood this is not any man, this is God, and he worshiped. One of the reasons we know that this was God is because when other men tried to fall and worship mere angels, those angels told them to get up. You are not to worship a created being. But this man allows Joshua to worship. And worship is the only appropriate response to an accurate view of God. Have you ever had any kind of experience like Joshua had in this moment? That you got such an accurate view of God, the only thing you could do in that moment was get as low as you possibly could get in His presence. You saw Him high and lifted up, and it resulted in your heart being humbled and broken before the Lord, and you could just, you could do nothing but give Him your unashamed adoration. That's what God is looking for. Before you go into your warfare, God calls you apart to fall downward in worship. What are we talking about when we talk about worship? Let's give it a definition. Worship is my response of unconditional surrender to who God is and what he has done. Worship is my response of unconditional surrender to who God is and what God has done. Worship is always a response. There is no worship in the human heart until God initiates a fresh revelation of who He is in our hearts. God reveals Himself to us through His Word and by His Spirit, and it results in us laying down our rights to command anything and telling God, God, you are the one in charge. I am going to get in line behind you. You are the commander. I am your servant. What would you say to me in this moment that is my next step? That's what Joshua said. That's what Joshua did. Jesus talked about worship when he came and told us that God the Father is looking for worshipers. He said in John chapter 4, verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father, notice two things, in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Do you know what the Spirit of God is doing this morning right now in this service? He is going up and down the aisles and in and out of the rows of this church. And He is looking for true worship. Is there any true worship happening in the seat that you occupy? There's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. What's he looking for? He's looking for a response, not an intellectual assent, not that you're satisfied to get the right word in the right blank this morning and feel like you did your job at church. He is looking for true worshipers. How can you know that you've worshiped God 
the way God wants you to this morning. He tells us God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him. Again, two things, in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? See the word spirit there? That's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not capitalized. It's talking about the human spirit. Did you know that you have an immaterial part of you? It is your spirit, synonymous with heart, synonymous with soul. It's your mind, your emotion, your will. It's the part of you that God created to connect with Him. Do you remember that song we sang earlier? The resurrected king is resurrecting me. What does that mean? That means that our spirit is dead. It's lifeless. It can't connect to God until God comes and resurrects it, pours life into the dead spirit that we have. And then when we're resurrected spiritually, our spirit can connect and commune with God. God reveals himself to our spirit. Our response is that our spirit gives worship back to God. Do you worship in spirit or do you just worship in formality? Do you worship only in your head or does it come to your heart? Some of you grew up in settings or maybe in churches or schools and you got a lot of head knowledge about worship and who God is, but it, did it ever spark worship in you, a response of unconditional surrender to who God is and what God has done? That's what he's looking for right now, not only in spirit, but in truth. That means that worship not only involves our heart, it involves our head. Not just emotions and affections, but also rational thought. Some of you have been in services where it was energetic and upbeat and people were had their hands in the air and some people were doing really energetic things. You're like, man, this, the spirit is really here. These people are worshiping in spirit. And yet, some of you grew up in environments like that where there was no truth. There was not an accurate view of God. And so the spiritual worship was shallow and emotional and never, it never changed you outside of that little experience. Some of you grew up in environments where there was a heavy emphasis on truth, you heard the right thing, there was Bible teaching, you've got notes all over your Bible from good Bible teaching because your head was packed with truth, but you never engaged your spirit. And people sat there and they absorbed and you wondered, some of you, you might get in an environment where there's a heavy emphasis on spirit and you're like, what are these people so excited about? Why do these people have their hands in the air? Why don't somebody answer their question? They've got their hands in the air all the time. And some of you that grew up in the environment of spirit, you're wondering, what's wrong with all those people that just sit there and take notes? Why do they sit there like a bump on a pickle? Why don't they get into the service? You know what God is looking for? God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth, both heart and head, both emotion and affection and rational, accurate truth about who God is. Have you ever worshiped God in response to who he is and what he is saying? Micah shared with you that last weekend he was in um, Fort Mill, South Carolina. I got a text from Micah on Saturday night. He actually attended a 
church service in Charlotte, North Carolina, at a church that's a, a growing, well-known church. It's, it's called Elevation Church, and Mikey just went there as a participant. Um, he went there, and it's, it's an upbeat, lively church, and they got great music there. As a matter of fact, the song that we sang this morning, uh, Resurrecting, that song came out of this church, Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Micah was, was worshiping alongside uh, of those people. And, and Micah wrote a little blog. I want you to, to, to listen to what he wrote. He was speaking of last Saturday night. He said, last Saturday night at Elevation Church, I worshiped Jesus with an incredible band at 110 decibels. Now, just to let you know, the decibel level around here never gets above 93, okay? So 110, that's like your ears are bleeding at that point, okay? There's a lot of spirit and a lot of passion and a lot of volume in that worship service. Very contemporary, a lot of energy, a lot of passion. But then Micah says... The next morning, on Sunday morning, I led an 8.15 a.m. traditional service in Southern Gospel Hymns at First Baptist Church, Fort Mill, South Carolina. At Elevation, people were dancing, singing, shouting, and loud. This morning at First Baptist Church, I saw a 70-year-old woman seated in the back row with her eyes closed, her head raised, her hands open and out as we sang a cappella, holy, holy, holy. God transcends culture, preference, music, churches, age, demographic, hipness, stuffiness, etc. He is a jealous God for the hearts of His people. He looks for worshipers in every worship gathering. He meets them right where they are as they look to Him where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I bask in the freedom last night at Elevation Church and again this morning at First Baptist Church at 8.15 in the traditional service. God is great and greatly to be praised. You are not spiritual if you turn up the volume. And you are not spiritual if you sit in silence. You are spiritual if you respond in spirit and in truth to the revelation of who God is and what God has done with unconditional Surrender. Here's what Joshua learned in front of the commander of the army of the Lord. There is no spiritual victory until there is unconditional surrender to God. And before Joshua went into warfare, there had to be a falling down in worship. And so Jesus says we must worship in spirit and truth. How... What does that look like? What are these true worshipers doing? Let me put it this way. Understand that each one of you has a spirit. That spirit is a furnace. Do you have a furnace in your house? It, it sits there cold and generates no heat until you pump it full of fuel. The truth about God is the fuel for worship. The fuel is pumped into our spirit but you still don't have worship until the Holy Spirit 
comes, reveals who God is to you and sparks the fuel of that truth. Some of you, the reason why there is no genuine worship, there is no true worship, is because you haven't packed enough truth in your head. Your head is filled with lies about God or myths about God. You need to replace that with the truth. That's the truth that God wants to ignite so that it creates the heat, a blazing inferno of unashamed worship, unashamed adoration of Jesus Christ, the response of worship. We see four elements of that in this story. I want to show them to you. Notice what happened. Joshua fell on his face. It was a sign of brokenness. This strong, courageous warrior leader finds himself in a fetal position before a holy God. When we talk about brokenness, we're not talking about woundedness. Some of you have been tragically hurt by deep loss and deep pain. That's not what we're talking about. We've all had experiences where we've been wounded. Brokenness is a choice. And when I get a new view of God, I get a new view of myself undone before God. I see all the unfinished business in my life. I see all of the weakness. I see all of the failure. I see the residual effects of sin in my life, and it brings me to my knees. It knocks me off my feet in the presence of God's holiness. Where there is no brokenness, there is no worship. And the reason why some of you do not understand what we do around here during the time that we are worshiping on our feet, our hands in the air, some of us on our knees, is because you can't bring yourself to face how broken and desperate you are before a holy God. And the reason is you don't have your eyes on God. You've got your eyes on somebody that you're doing better than. And you sit around and it's like, yeah, that was, that, was, that was good. And yet you've never worshiped. It's my prayer this morning that you'd see God the way He is so that you can see yourself the way you are. And once you are broken, then there can be healing. Not only did He fall on His face in brokenness, but notice a true worshiper responds by listening. Look there at the next question. He said to him, what does my Lord say to His servants? Joshua understood, this is not a time for me to talk. This is not a time for me to outline my battle strategy to God and see if he's okay with it. This is a, not a time for me to list my resume and my credentials and why God should be using me more. This is a time for me to be quiet and listen. We should start every day with that question. What does my Lord say to his servant? And then when God speaks, I respond by listening. It's an act of worship. That's why the central component of our worship gathering at Harvest is not music. It is the unapologetic preaching of the Word of God. Because when God, when we read God's Word, God speaks. And when God's Word is preached, God speaks. And if we are wise and we are true worshipers, we lean our ear into that and say, God, what are you trying to say to me right now? What needs to change? How do I need to respond? What area of confession? What area of repentance? What area of 
faith do I need to exercise so that I can follow your command? A true worshiper responds by listening. A true worshiper responds by repenting. Look at it. God says to him in verse 15, And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. Taking off his sandals. What was that? What what, what was the significance of that? Those sandals were filthy. And removing the filth in the presence of a holy God is a picture of repentance. What is it that God has put his finger on and says, I want you to take that off. I want you to get it out of your life. I don't want it to remain. I am too holy for that to come into my presence. Is it a jealousy toward another believer? Is it a bitterness that you've been holding on to? You've been so hurt you're not going to forgive? Is it some evil attitude? Is it a sexual sin? All of those things we want to bring into God's presence, walk in casually and walk out, and God says, no further. Get it out of your life. I am too holy for that filthiness to be in my presence. A true worshiper responds in repentance. There is no worship where there is no repentance. And then finally, a true worshiper responds with obedience. Simple phrase at the end of the whole story. And Joshua did so. What is it that God has put on your heart that he wants you to do? He's spoken to you about it already. And yet, you've procrastinated, you put it off, you excuse it, you justify, you blame others for why you are the way you are, and yet, God wants a simple obedience that says, yes, Lord, I will obey. There is no worship where there is no obedience. Are you a true worshiper? Have you you ever had any kind of experience, anything remotely like Joshua had? Now, if you're looking to have some man show up with a drawn sword and flaming appearance, that's probably not what God wants. God has already revealed himself to you through his word, by his spirit. How are you going to respond to the truth that's been packed away for years in the recesses of your mind? Is the reason why you sit there without any kind of response to the truth of God's word and the exaltation of who Jesus is because you refuse to be broken, you refuse to listen, you refuse to repent, and you refuse to obey. This morning, my heart's desire is that all four of these things would combine together so that we could experience in this place, and maybe you for the first time in your heart, unashamed adoration of Jesus that results in an unconditional surrender of all that you are to all that he is. Today, we've been challenged by Pastor Trent Griffith to examine our own worship. Is your worship characterized by brokenness, repentance, 
obedience, and a willingness to listen to the Lord? Joshua, realizing who it was that stood before him, immediately responded in worship. And as we gain a right understanding of God's holiness, we too will respond in worship that is filled with spirit and truth. In John 4.23, Jesus says that the Father is seeking those kinds of worshipers. Well, each week at Harvest Bible Chapel, we gather together to worship the Lord through the proclamation of His Word and by lifting high the name of Jesus in worship. We invite you to join us at either our Granger, Indiana campus or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. You can find more information online when you visit harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, harvestgranger.org.